The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one to deep left. Way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. Look at the left fielder. He had the ball here. He had that one. And here comes the cubs out on the field. is now in. And a very happy Monday to ya. TC Martin Show right here. Ballpark. VGK Frank in the house. Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. Pushing some of the buttons right. Some of the time. So far we're flawless. Five seconds into it. But give us time. <laughs> Masters. We'll talk about that. Which we saw over the last four days. Hush, hush. Quiet, please. Yes. Steve Sachs is going to join us today. The two-time World Series champ, five-time All-Star great friend will join us as we talk a little opening week thoughts of the Major League Baseball season. Had a couple controversial calls the last couple days as well, too. Love bringing Saxy on, especially when there's controversy because he won't hold anything back. Yep, always good talking to him. TJ Reeves is going to join us from Tampa. Give us some thoughts about WrestleMania the Masters, the Tampa Bay Rays, and a rainy weekend in Tampa as well. And uh, Matthew Holt will join us, U.S. Integrity, our UFC guy as well, too. So as we've got some more news with Conor McGregor and then uh, the McGregor-Poye fight, uh, possibly off? Not yeah. possibly. They're saying it's off. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends who you talk to, but yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Both Poirier and McGregor both said it's off. Yeah. So, Well, McGregor said it's off, but Dana White's not saying that it's off. So yeah, it's typical. You know, it's just typical social media. little Twitter feud going on between the two. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have some fun with that. And as know. far as a rainy day in Tampa, a rainy weekend, yeah. isn't that just a weekend in Tampa? You would it think so. down there quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah Florida, it does, I guess. When yeah. it doesn't rain, you almost wish it would because of the humidity. Yeah. But then, you know, why you, you're scheduling these outdoor events? And the reason why they schedule these outdoor events in Florida is because they're under the belief that the weather's going to be good. That's why they have Super Bowls there in February and, you know, WrestleMania's in April. Well, they're also scheduling these days because you know. you're going to have more fans in an outdoor arena than you right. can in an indoor one. But rain will just, you know, wipe it all away. Really put a downpour on Ru- your event ruins the choreography yeah i guess <laughs> i don't know i don't know so yeah we'll we'll touch on wrestlemania just because i know that he was into it and they were hosting it down in tampa you know nunchuck's been bugging us about it for the last three weeks and you know trying to give me updates during the course of the weekend and then already plan a week's worth of shows that you know we should have every wrestler on uh, this whole week to talk about wrestlemania wrestlemania recap yeah <laughs> yeah so I don't know. I, I can't get into it, you know, obviously like we've talked about before as I, as I used to. But, yeah, I used to love WrestleMania back in the day. But now we're 37 years into it. And asking people what they thought about it, I'm getting mixed, mixed thoughts about what they thought of the two-day WrestleMania extravaganza. Some good, some bad, some could care less. And, again, when you look at those main events, I guess if you don't follow it, you're really not going to recognize a lot of – the quote-unquote top-of-the-line wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really get the whole two-day part of it, but again, I know that they were combining the two two years of Hall of Fame classes going in because of the pandemic last year and different aspects of it, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I used to look forward to WrestleMania, and it was a it was a big event, and you'd get a bunch of friends together and go out and watch mm-hmm. it someplace or whatever. But I mean, I I saw some of it in passing. I saw things on social media about it and that kind of stuff. The one thing that I do know from everybody seems to be talking about Bad Bunny and his uh, his performance in WrestleMania. Bad Bunny, is that an ice cream? No, that'd be Blue Bunny. Yeah, same difference. No, it's really not. Is it? No, <laughs> you know, Blue Bunny's a horrible ice cream. You ever had Blue Bunny ice cream? I don't think it's that horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's. They have a triple chocolate ice cream, so I mean, I'm all good. It's got dark chocolate, <laughs> you regular can get chocolate, that. and a white chocolate. You can get that from anywhere. No, you can't. Blue Bunny's a. No, you can't. It's one of your cheaper ice creams, right? Is that why you like it? Not unless it's, it's on sale. You're high if you think it's one of the cheaper ice creams. Go buy some of it sometime. No, it's Blue. just as expensive as Briars and Dryers and. You think? No, I know because I look down the aisle <laughs> when I'm shopping for the crap. Because I look to see what's on sale. It's no Hagen Dazs. What are you talking about? Blue Bunny. That's a well Hagen Dazs. You you pay as much yeah. as you pay for a half a gallon. Blue for Bunny's a, a low. Quart of it. It's a. I think it's a low rent ice cream. Well, not yeah. not not on their not on their prices in the stores. Really? Yes, huh? it's right up there with the other ones. And all ice cream pretty much have the same price points. Pretty much. Yeah, that's why I wait and is see this, what's on sale. Is this crap. the theme song for Blue Bunny? I don't think so. I don't know if they have a theme song. <laughs> I don't really know of Blue Bunny commercials. Yeah. See? There you go. That's why it's a low-rent uh, ice cream. They don't, they don't have the big marketing dollars. I don't really know of very many ice cream commercials. Hmm. So Bad Bunny, the rapper, is in WrestleMania. And probably safe to say he was uh, one of the stars. Saturday night, right? He was in a tag team match, yeah. yeah. Went up one, I, I, I did see the clip where he went off the top rope with uh, three guys down there, his tag team partner and the other two. I think Miz was involved in that match as well. So A lot of rehearsal there for Blue Bunny, Bad Bunny. Drew McIntyre actually said before bad WrestleMania. Blue, Blue Bad Bunny. Yeah, Drew McIntyre actually made a little comment before WrestleMania saying for everybody that's hating on Bad Bunny and that this guy's going to steal the show. So he mm. saw some of the stuff that they were working on and that kind of stuff. I, I guess he's actually a decent athlete. Okay. I, I don't know how good of an athlete he is. I definitely couldn't tell you any song he's ever done. Maybe that was one we were just <laughs> listening to. I'm assuming it was, but I don't know. As far as you know, that could have been Bad Bunny or it could have been the Blue Bunny commercial. I, I'm, I'm yeah. just upset. That if you're Bad Bunny, how do you not have some Playboy bunnies coming in with you? He could have been this generation's version of the Godfather. Is that you know? why he's called Bunny? I, I, is that why he's Bad Bunny? Is, I, it, is, I don't it, is it a Playboy so. reference? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's something with where he wears his hair or something. He's got huh. two man buns like bunny ears or something. Or I really don't know. I, I literally have no idea. <laughs> I'm making everything up when I talk well, about it. Well, that marketing sure working for him. <laughs> it worked well enough to get him to WrestleMania. Yeah. And I guess he's sold a lot of oh, sure. yeah. MP3s or albums or whatever they sell these days. Downloads. <laughs> Downloads. Very good. <laughs> All right, let's uh, start talking about the Masters, what we saw over the weekend. Uh, Hideki Matsuama, yes, the first Japanese player to win the Masters. It's kind of funny because he wins the Masters 10 years after he made this uh, sterling debut as an amateur back in Augusta. I remember a lot of people talking about that at that point in time. And now 10 years, basically almost to the date, he wins uh, the Masters. I don't know how... You feel about golf in general. You know, we talk about the majors uh, all the time. Uh, it is definitely a worldwide sport. Uh, but for me, w- I wanted to watch the Masters. Again, I, I, I did have an interest, as I mentioned last week, with, with uh, Cameron Champ. And good thing I didn't bet the 300-1 because uh, he didn't have a very good Saturday or Sunday. But uh, he was right there, only three shots back, you know, a- after the round on, on, on Thursday. But... Uh, I don't know. I thought that it was very anticlimactic. There was no suspense here. Well, no, because wanted... he had a giant lead. Exactly. That's my, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Matsuama stretched the lead to six shots on the back nine yesterday in the, uh, the fourth and final round. So he had a few moments of drama. He kind of limped his way home a little bit, bogeying, what, three out of the last four holes. He two-putted the winning hole. <laughs> yeah, he, he went into the water. On or three-putted, I mean yeah, three-putted, uh, right. Yeah. Went into the water on the 16th, so he bogeyed it. But, really, it was no worries. And I think a lot of people, like myself, kind of gave up on watching the Masters at that point in time. So, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it has to do, too, with the, the leaderboard. Wasn't that interesting, I mean, you had Will Zalatoris, you had Xander Shuffley, 
Jordan uh, Spieth, which, okay, there's, there, there's a guy that you expected to contend, even though he was 19-1 to coming into it. So he really wasn't a favorite. But, again, household name, uh, a guy that you want to follow. And uh, Mark Leishman and then John Rahm. That was your final leaderboard. And to me, that doesn't scream big ratings. It doesn't scream must-see TV, even though it wasn't NBC. Of course, it was CBS. But the leaderboard really wasn't that interesting. And you didn't have an overbearing personality that was involved in this group. You didn't have a Tiger Woods, or you didn't even have a, a controversial type of, of personality there. You had a very quiet, mild-mannered, excellent golfer in Hideki Matsuama. So I guess the question here is, we know this was significant for him being the first Japanese player to win the Masters. But how much of this do we care about it as American viewers? And it'll be interesting to see what the ratings were, and especially what, you know, they can break the television ratings down by hour by hour, and how was it the the last hour? Because when he was 13 under, and the closest competitor was 8 under, you know, when, when he teed off and actually basically threw the first nine holes... I think a lot of people probably tuned out, and I know I did. I was flipping channels, and it wasn't a great baseball day uh, to, to look for other things. I mean, the, the Masters pretty much does set by itself on that Sunday afternoon. No one else is going to have you know, programming to really compete with it. But how much did the American public really care about this Masters as Sunday unfolded and about Matsuyama being the first Japanese player to win this? Well, I would think that a lot of people did tune out or caught it in passing. Like you said, you did. I know I did. I channel searched once in a while to see how big the lead still was or whatever. Then I would go off it. Um, Matsuyama also hadn't made a top 10 since 2017. So he kind of came out of nowhere. It's not like he was golfing in good form right now. You, you add that in that Dustin Johnson and Rory, McElroy, McElroy didn't even make the cut. Right. So you have that. Then you had Xander having that triple bogey on 16, which completely kind of blew him out of the tournament. If it would have been closer in that, just the fact that he, you know, usually when you see the Masters, you see that last putt, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a long putt or something like that, but you see the guy knock it in, and you see him miss his, but then it still doesn't matter because he's got such a big lead in that. He really didn't play well down the stretch at all. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was completely anticlimactic. He's not that well-known. He's not in that great of a shape right now. I would say that if there's there's anything from that tournament that I thought was at least semi-interesting, and I'm not the biggest golf fan out there, it's Will, the guy that... Uh, Zalatoris. Yeah, yeah. Zalatoris, getting a second place in his second major. He was sixth yeah. in his first one. So maybe you look at him and go, okay, this is a guy to look at and a name to remember down the road or whatever. American golfer, too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but as far as the Masters and excitement and all the intrigue and that sort of stuff, like you said, it was such a runaway that it was, you know. Now, if he would have lost it, maybe that would have been newsworthy because it would have been a gigantic choke or something. But he choked just enough to still win, right? In one of the most anticlimactic ways that we've ever seen in the Masters or any major golf tournament, right? And people will look at the final leaderboard there and they'll see ten under. And Zalatoris one shot back at nine under. And, and I know, they'll think it was close. Yeah. And I know that I did a double take when I looked at it afterwards. Like, whoa, one shot? Wait a minute. It doesn't seem that way. And like you said, he, he backed his way into the championship. And again, bogeying the final hole, bogeying three of the last four. But like you said, specifically that last hole where, where you know, it's wow. I mean, you want to have, you know, that crowd erupt, you, everybody. But it, it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah, even, even the announcers were like, "Oh, well, he missed it, but it doesn't really matter because right. now he's got the tapping." And it's like right. what, that. It, it was just so like blah. Yeah, and, and that whole uh, scenario was playing itself out basically the entire round. Now, I was a little bit interested before he teed off because I thought, okay, you know, he's he's got this big lead. He's not teeing off till 2.40 Eastern time that he actually could be tensing up a little bit. And I'm, the winds were picking up a little. The winds were picking up, and I'm thinking, like, he's been sitting in that clubhouse for a long, long time. He hasn't teed off that late. Who knows, you know, when as being, you know, the last group because he had the lead at the end of Saturday. 
So I'm thinking, like, he, he's, he's got to be tensing up a little bit. And then he started off, and I, and I believe he, uh, you know, he was even after the first two holes. And then, again, not a spectacular round. Again, you know, was, was plus on, on Sunday's round. And I thought, okay. But then, again, he was never challenged. And if anybody would have made a run, like we've seen some runs earlier on the tournament, someone to shoot, you know, a 66 or a 65 or a 67 even, like, whoa, you know, we could have a little drama here. But no one could catch him at that point in time. The lead was too big. People had tuned out. And again, and I point at the names on the leaderboard as well, too. You made a great point about two of the, you know, big-time golfers right now didn't even make the cut. And, of course, you know, with Tiger Woods getting in the accident, prior to him getting in that accident, there was talk that Tiger Woods was trying to, you know, play in, in the Masters, that he was circling this on the calendar saying, hey, I'm, I'm hoping so. Remember, we played back the interview, uh, you know, with Jim Nance back when he was hosting the tournament the day before he got into the automobile accident. And he was going, hey, I'm, I'm hoping to be there. That's, that's what the right. plan is. And he was out there playing every day. And then, boom, so that's kind of a – a letdown that Tiger Woods was not going to, you know, play in this thing. But I don't know, just, you know, where it is, where, where, where golf is right now, I'm just, I'm just not as excited. I don't know if that's just age. And I kind of felt that way about tennis. I'm starting to get more, you know, uh, you know, resurrected, so to speak, with tennis. And a lot of it has, has to do with what you were talking about, Naomi Osaka, you know, I, so in I, tennis, I it's more the women's game that you're into. I, 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 was, I was always into both. Right, but but, but, but I mean, right now, the right women's now, game, as you're more probably, excited, because the men's game, it's like the big three are getting long in the tooth. Yes. Some of the tournaments are yeah. not there, yeah. and none of these young guns is still going up and really saying that I'm the next one right. to take the, take the torch or whatever. Right. It's like you have guys that, add they're good, but they're not great. Yeah, but, and we've talked about this before, too, and I think with golf and tennis, we need to have those American names, and we need to have those American superstars to make it relevant. And, you know, if you think that's shallow-minded thinking because we can't relate to whether it's a Brit or a Russian or a Swede or something like that, that's just the, 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 the nature of those sports and the way I think Americans follow those sports. It's the same way in boxing for a certain degree, too. If Tyson Fury wasn't a polarizing figure and wasn't funny and didn't have such a great, you know, comeback story the way this guy, you know, ballooned up to 400 pounds and then beat Deontay Wilder, and, a and guy that, that people really don't care for. Yeah, and the mental health issues. And yes. This, it's a great a, story. It is. And he really comes across like, I mean, he loves America and he'll put himself out there. You know, comes on the show and does a lot of media and that sort of thing. So th- there's one guy. But I think in those individual sports... Americans want to see Americans to perform at a high level, and I, and I think that 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 goes volumes in golf, and in tennis, and even boxing. They want them to at least be in the mix. Yeah, and I'll and, say and, UFC and, as well too. Yeah, and, and like in men's tennis, they haven't been in the mix really since Andy Roddick. Right, except aside that's from my the game. point. Yeah. You know, John Isner's got a huge serve, but he can't return. You know, and he's not a household name. Yeah, he hasn't I, won enough. No, I, you know, there's other guys. I would make the argument right now that in men's tennis, that Canada is actually stronger than the United States with their top players out there, with all the young guys that they have. So yeah, there's that. Now on the women's tour, there are a lot of good young Americans coming up. But uh, you mentioned uh, <laughs> Russians. Well, there's a lot of really yeah. good young Russian girls in that. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, Naomi Osaka is kind of the one. And it's funny because everybody's like, oh well, she's Japanese. Well, she's born and raised in the United yeah. States here. She's Japanese because her father and her mother said, yeah, uh, you have your Japanese heritage, and there's a lot of money over in Japan. She she had like $6 million, I believe it was, in endorsements before she hit her first ball as a professional. Yeah, see, but those are the novice fans, or, yeah. or the casual fans that right. don't realize. Yeah. And, and, and again, when they put up the flag next to their name on the leaderboard, they have the Japanese flag. Well, and, 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 and with the upcoming Olympics and that, I yeah. mean, you know, if they have the Summer Olympics and things going yeah. on, I mean... She's going to be competing for Japan. Yeah. So Matsuyama played a great tournament. Yeah, he, he limped home. But, again, just not one of those you know, big-time polarizing figures. He kind of played you know. it safe down the stretch. And, and, and maybe that's it, too. Maybe if he would have gone out and saying, all right, I'm up by five, but I'm going to win by eight or something. I'm still going for it. He actually played smart. 
But by playing smart, it was boring. Yeah. And he actually almost got himself in trouble about letting somebody backdoor him and coming back from behind. But like you said, he fell, but he fell just enough to still have comfort there when he could still two-putt, you know, with, with, with a very makeable putt at the end, and nobody else made that charge. It would have been nice, like you said, if somebody else – on that leaderboard would have made that charge, and then you see, would it have got a little bit tighter? Would he have got a little bit more tense? Because, as we mentioned, he hadn't had a top-10 finish since 2017. It's not like he was in great form coming into this tournament. Yeah. No, I think the leaderboard has a lot to do with it when people especially are ready to watch golf, especially the Masters. It's your first major tournament of the year. You know, the spring you know, daylight saving time, all that. Now, hey, I want to get back on the course, and I want to turn on. And the first thing I think that casual golf fans look at, casual sports fans, okay, well, who do I know that's on this leaderboard? I don't know that guy. Don't know that guy. This and that. Eh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go out and play 9 or 18 today instead of watching this. I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. Let me ask you this here. How much do you think, and this has been in the news a lot lately as well too, how much less... Do we care about the Masters because of the high-fluent or high-end attitude that the Masters portrays itself, you know, with the Board of Governors or the, you know, whoever you want to say there, with the people who are in charge of the Masters and the Augusta Country Club, again, for, you know, the backlash that they have taken over the years of, you know, not, you know, taking forever to let, you know, blacks come in let women belong you know to the club and this and that and there are a lot of those stories that were recycled again over the last few days we talked about it on on thursday and friday when they had lee elder be part of the honorary group with jack nicholas and gary player and that was pretty cool but and again you know lee elder was the first black player to play at the masters but it was 1975 and even though it seems like a long time ago that's Pretty late in the game for much late in the game. I'm old enough that it's still kind of fresh in my memory. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then with the women thing, the women, you know, not having letting them belong to the club. And, and I mean, know, they I, were I banging the door for 2003, 2004. It wasn't until seven years later they said, oh, okay, we're getting all this pressure. So, yeah, but it took them seven years. So I think that's fresh in a lot of people's mind, too, about, you know, this, this Masters, I'm not really cool with this. I think it's maybe fresh in some people's mind, but I also think that a lot of people aren't really cognizant of it because they don't really berate the point all over. I mean, there's still every year we hear about people want them to change the name of the tournament because it's the Masters mm -hmm. and it's in Augusta and it's down in Georgia and there's a lot of things going on there. But they kind of seem like they get a pass. So I don't really know how much maybe maybe to some of the diehard fans it still bothers them in that but if the golf is good and the leaderboard is like you said with the names that there that are people want familiarity. to see familiarity yeah. then i don't think it matters that much because it's still an incredibly right. pristine pristine course you have 16 you have amen corner you have all these iconic things that even if you don't know exactly what they mean you, you know them when you see them on TV or something. You go, oh, that's what they're talking about. You have all the highlights from Masters past and the green jacket tradition and everything else. So I, I really think that it has a lot more to do with, in fact, I would say almost the big time majority of it is who's on the leaderboard and how is the golf going right now? And, you know, is, is, is the weather enough that it's maybe tricky but not so much that, you know, they're not playing or something like that? Because, you know, nobody wants the delays and nobody wants to see a Masters that ends on Monday or whatever because they couldn't get the rounds in and that. So I, I don't know that people care about that as much. I think the media makes a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily there. I, I guarantee you there's some people out there that weren't even aware that women weren't allowed at the country club. Right. They, they probably knew that that African-Americans and, you know, certain stuff like that, you know, that they had things like that. But some were probably, what do you mean? And women weren't about, well, it's, you know, it's just, so for whatever reason, I don't think they really bang that home in a lot of people's minds in that. Now, of course, as we're getting more and more socially aware and things are happening every day, and you mentioned somebody like Naomi Osaka on the Women's Tennis Tour who's so into the BLM and other things too, you have athletes more and more going out and raising their voices and saying stuff. So maybe it will get more because this generation and the millennials on that seem, you know, to use their quotes more woke than the rest. And they're trying to make change in that. And they're not just saying something and then just, you know, letting it slide. They continue to try to hammer it home. I think down the road, I, I'm really surprised 
that there wasn't more talk again this year about changing the name. I, I will be absolutely shocked if we don't see a change in name or at least a huge move to try to get it done in the next five to ten years. Well, and I guess it, uh, it, I saw a couple stories over the weekend, again, that brought that you know, to light about, again, and we talked about the ceremony with Lee Elder. I was like, wow, I mean, you know, man, it's, you know, they just kind of, you know, resonated again. I was like, wow, it's, you know, 1975. And they talked about the women. And then again, it all got tied into the vote situation. Why Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Georgia, out of Atlanta uh, because of that. So this was controversial, controversial. And there were people that wanted to protest the Masters, people that wanted to pick it. And uh, the Masters people got in front of this and said, hey, you know what? Uh, We're going on as normal here. And then they interviewed the mayor uh, of Augusta, who happens to be black. And he came out and basically said, you know, I I think that we we have seen change. And, you know, we're starting to see more of it. and, and, And we'll get it. But the bottom line was the detractors were saying, you just don't want all that money leaving Augusta. Oh, for sure. And, and, and that's that's it. And so the mayor came across like, well, we understand these problems because, you know, Major League Baseball made a big deal about it. The media made a big deal about it. This is just within the last week. And now you have the masters there and all the, you know, Georgia, you know, voting rules and laws, all this stuff that's out there right now. Oh, you have it's corporations big... that people want boycotted yeah. and this, that, and the other. Right. But, you know, it, it, but again, everybody always says this kind of stuff, but most of it usually ends up being hollow. Yeah. And, and I'll go back to... What's one of the most popular restaurants out here in Vegas now that wasn't even here that long ago? Chick-fil-A. Remember when everybody was going to boycott Chick-fil-A because of their stands on the LBGQ community? Boy, that really crushed them, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, and, and again, I understand people want the symbolism and this, that, and the other. But it's like, boycotts and things like that, yeah, it sounds like a good thing or whatever. Or it sounds like we're making a stand. But how often do they really work or this, that, or the other, you know? Yeah. In a way... The very thing that you're boycotting frequently, you're just giving them more publicity. Yeah. And that was the thing with Major League Baseball. They made a stand, made big news because, okay, we're, we're taking this out of this. But then, then again, you've got the Masters. The Masters going, hey, they can do everything they want. But you know what? We're, we're staying put. We're fine. We're ignoring that. People can uh, have picket signs outside. Uh, we're playing on. End of story. And again, so that lost a little bit. You know that w- kind of went away as the weekend progressed and everything. Right. But again, it's it's still out there. And again, it, it was a it was a topic. It was a focal point. You oh, know, people it, were talking about it. Be- it was. And, and sometimes that stuff takes a long time to mature and get mm-hmm. it done. I guarantee that the generation that's there right now is not going to just be content to let it go. That was the thing before people would protest or say something, then it wouldn't happen, and it kind of went by the wayside. How long did people complain about Hey Reb in this town that we've known about? Yeah. And guess what? It finally had an effect. Because this generation and the younger people today, they don't just accept the, okay, well, we couldn't get it done. Let's move on to something else. They seem a lot more focused, and they seem a lot more dug in the trenches in that. Yeah. And change might take a little while, but we're seeing change a lot quicker and a lot better. And I'm not saying good or bad. Whatever side you're on, and whether it's a political issue or this or the other, but things are changing at a much more rapid pace than they used to. Right. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball. Steve Sachs will join us. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the opening week of MLB. Talk about some controversial bad calls as well, too, that uh, we saw the last couple of days as well, too. So we've got baseball to talk about. we got some UFC and a whole lot more coming your way. T.C. Martin Show on a Monday. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription. From the doctor, T.C. Martin. about uh, one week into the Major League Baseball season. Mm. Let's uh, dive into it with our five-time All-Star, the two-time World Series champ, and does a fantastic job on MLB Network Radio, the second baseman himself, Steve Sachs. Saxy, what are you doing? Are you making something in the kitchen there? What's going on there? Um, well, you know me, TC. <laughs> I'm always eating something. Yes! Um, and, you know, you know, when you call, it's like it's no different. Now, I want to ask you if, if that's the same uh, parameters as far as the quake is concerned. If the quake is always in there having something, you know what I mean? Because I always am. I, I wouldn't mind joining the quake one time to uh, to break some bread. You know what I mean? I know. And the quake just walked out of the building. I mean, he just walked out, and I'm sure. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Is that him outside with a big bowl in front of him? 
Can I see him? <laughs> He's underneath an umbrella. What is that? It looks like a big old cereal bowl of something, but it's not cereal. <laughs> Numbchuck, go out there and f- find out what the hell Quake is eating. Tell him his boy Steve Sachs is on. That's the quake. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, Numchuck's texting quake. him right now. Yeah, he's. Yeah, there, right. there it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, breaking news. There it is. Here it is. Quake just went to lunch. That's it. Oh, hey, he really? Left, he left How the building. How long is Quake lunch? Is it, is it, is it, is it an overlap dinner or what does it do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come on, seriously. I know, right? That's tough. Oh, man. It, it's kind of like seasons in sports today. They just run into each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All right, so I got to hear. What, what, do you, what do you got cooking there in the Sachs household? What's, what, what's up? Uh, I'm not sure what we're gonna have tonight. I'm uh, I, I I usually cook for my dog. I have my dog, and then and then I come second, you know. So it just depends on what what the, what Boo Boo wants, and then I then I, I go from there. So. <laughs> Oh, whatever Boo Boo wants, Boo Boo gets. Yeah. There you go. He's, spoiled. He's the most spoiled dog in the, in, in the country. No now, doubt about it. Now, is there any truth to the you named Boo Boo after the Yogi Bear cartoon? Uh, you know what? When I, when I got him, I just said, God, this dog is like the most sweetest animal in the world. And he's, he's just got, it's like a pet named Boo Boo. And I, it's perfect for him. He's, my dog could be one of those hospital dogs where. You know, people are sick, terminally ill, and you bring a dog in, and they just love on him all day. That's what my dog does. He's just, he's just the sweetest thing ever. He's, so, he's great. He's so, he could, so he could be a service dog. Does he carry he a could. picnic basket? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he absolutely could. He, he could do that. And, yeah, I mean, it fits him. It fits him right. He could absolutely be a service dog, no doubt. All right, Steve. So let's talk about your former team, the Dodgers. Uh, they're, starting mm-hmm. out, they're starting out very, very hot. Well, we'll get to right. that here in a minute. But the big news here is, I know they got their World Series rings, 232 mm-hmm. diamonds and what wow. I'm hearing and seeing here, 53 sapphires. I, I want to know, how many diamonds did you get in your ring, in your World Series got, ring back in the I day? Got, I, I got one, and I'm going to try to get a rebate on mine. You know, I got, got one diamond. Um, in the 81 World Series ring, there's one diamond. In, in the other one, I, I think there's a few more than that. So you can, so you can see they went from 88, 81 to 88. They graduated to several more. There's a couple of sapphires in there. And now you, you fast forward to 2021. I mean, this thing, this thing looks like uh, the, front, the front piece of the Wizard of Oz Palace. I mean, this thing is crazy. It's, it's a beautiful thing. This this Dodger ring now. I knew it would be. Can, can you get your hands on uh, on one of those at least? Uh, you know, you pose for a picture or something like that. I, mean, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't think so. But but uh, I've seen the picture of it. It's amazing. The box that it come in, that comes in. You open the box up, and it, it it has a small. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating this. It has a a video component <laughs> inside the box. It's like you like you open it up, and it's a little TV, and it and it has just these running stream of. Of the great plays that were done throughout the course of the year uh, in 2020. It's, it's an, I mean, even the box has got to be worth, you know, a few thousand bucks. Yeah, we were looking at that. We were looking at it and saying, wow. I mean, you know, I'd love to, to get a picture. And, again, you got enough pull there with the Dodgers there. You should get a 2020 ring and your 1981 ring or whatever and go side by side and really <laughs> let's look at the contrast and the differences there. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, m- my house times have changed. The 81 ring is really right in the middle. The 81 ring, I mean, the 80, 88 ring is beautiful. My 88 yeah. ring is unbelievable. And the 81 ring is a classic because it, it looks like it's, it's, it's got the one uh, diamond set in this black onyx, which is just stunning against the gold. I mean, they really had done them well. I, I've got two World Series rings, and they're both stunning. They're, they're really great. How often do you wear those? Are, you, are they just locked I, away in safekeeping? As, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, AM570 in L.A. is the Dodgers flagship, mm-hmm. and I do some work with them uh, postseason. I did some stuff on opening day the other day, and they asked me that same question, and I told Tim Cates, the host, I said, you know, I've, I've never had on the 88 ring. I've never, I don't wear the rings. I've never even worn the 88 ring at all. And he says, well, you got to take a picture of it and put it on for the first time. We're going to put it on, on YouTube and Twitter. So I'm going to put it on today and send him a picture of it. The first time I'll ever have the 88 ring on. Never, never, never donned the ring yet. So I've got to do it today. Okay. So when you send him the picture, you send me the picture as well, too. Maybe we'll throw that on the website. I mean, we, we got we got to see cool. that. Yeah, do it. Seriously. Let's, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll put it up there. Appreciate yeah, I'll send it to you, TC. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Steve, Steve Sachs joins us, the two-time World Series champ, five-time All-Star.
Yeah, I, yeah. I was looking at that ring. I think there's more ice on that thing than there is in the Staples Center when the Kings play. But it's, <laughs> it's pr- pr- pretty amazing when you see that thing out there. But now, I also it should be noted for fans out there that are Dodger fans. I just saw that you can get a replica Dodger ring for thirty five thousand dollars. So if you want one of your own, they are right. available. Wow. Well, I, I keep getting asked uh, by these collectors if I will sell mine, and they get the same answer every time. The answer is no. Even if you double the price, I'm not selling my rings, man. I'm not selling my rings. I'm not selling my trophy. I'm not selling anything because that stuff is going to my grandson and my son, and, and that's it. So nobody's getting my stuff. I don't care what the money is. <laughs> so, not gonna so, happen. so being on Pawn Stars isn't that important to you? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Not going to happen. I know Oral Hirschheiser and, and Kirk Gibson actually sold all their stuff. Gibby sold the bat that he hit the iconic home run with, the helmet, the jersey. They sold all that stuff. Gibson and Hirschheiser got, I, I understand, well over a million dollars. And if they can get a million for all their stuff, I, I, I've got to get at least, what, six, seven hundred thousand, right? Well, Mine, yeah. but I, mean, just, I ain't doing it. Just think, no how, just, just think how much you can get for your old Simpsons stuff as well, too. I mean, after all, you're in the Hall yeah, of Fame because right. of that. They weren't on the Simpsons. Yeah. They were not on the Simpsons. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That's right. So that matters. That's funny. I was watching the Dodger broadcast yesterday, and I saw – uh, Fernando Valenzuela and Oral Hershiser in the booth at the same time yesterday. And yeah. I, w- I was surprised yeah. about Fernando's English, how good it has gotten. Fernando does really well. He works for KWKW, yeah. the, the, the Spanish station in Los Angeles, does a great job. He's been there for a long time, too. Fernando, and when he came up, you know, he, he knew as much English as he wanted to be comfortable with. So when it, when it fit the time for him to know English, he knew it, and uh, when it wasn't so advantageous for him, he, just, he didn't understand English too good. So he, he worked it really well, but Fernando's a smart guy, and he, he, he can speak the language pretty well. I thought that about Hideki Matsuama yesterday after he won the Masters. They had the interpreter there the entire time, and then at the end, Jim Nance said goodbye to him, and he goes, you know, he says, I'm very happy. I go, wait, wait, wait you're fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Did you see the video yeah. that he posted years ago, Matsuyama? He's, he's there with, I think it's uh, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, and somebody else, and he's teaching them Japanese lessons and that. And they're talking, and he looks, and he goes, guys, I can speak English. He actually did a video years ago where he says <laughs> it, it, it's kind of hilarious. Somebody posted it on, on, on social media yeah. the other day. Yeah. Love it. That's funny. Love it. Hey, so – we are back with baseball. Crowds are back in the stadiums. Are you feeling mm-hmm. that baseball is back kind of as we know it, or is it still – does it feel like it was two years ago, or are we just not there yet? Uh, no, I, I, no, not quite yet, but there's going to be a, a great amount of enthusiasm when they start letting people back. And Heck, in Texas, they had 50,000 on opening day. I saw it. Because yeah. Texas is wide open. You know, in these other states like California and New York, it's only 20%. That's going to wrap up. That's going to ramp up really fast. I, I think by, you know, in May will be 50% to 70%. And then, of course, by June 15th in California, at least, it's 100%. So we know that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, the, the enthusiasm for baseball is great right now. Um, I'm not too enthused about all the politics of it. But as far as on the field stuff, it's, it's, it's awesome right now. All right, so we had some controversy. I know how much you love controversy. We had two bad yeah, calls. Not, not really. Yeah. <laughs> On Saturday and Sunday, uh, let's talk about this. In the, in the game Saturday with the Marlins and the Mets, I'm sure you saw this, 2-2, mm-hmm. bottom mm-hmm. of the ninth, bases loaded, one out, Michael Conforto is at the plate for the Mets, right. uh, one and two count, and remind me of Reggie Jackson in 1977. That's oh, what it reminded me of. Did, was it? Was it? Was it like that? Really? I mean, just yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, well, for our people that, for the listeners that aren't sure what we're talking about, Michael Conforto took a strike three and he stuck his elbow in the strike zone, right? And it nicked his 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 14 inch uh, elbow guard, <laughs> right? And it nicked it, and uh, he got first base instead of being rung up, and the game was was over. Um, or was tied and was going to continue on right. to the next inning. Uh, the run scored because the bases were loaded uh, on the hit by pitch, and that was it. Yeah. So I mean, they, look, look, you, you, uh, it's a, it's an amazing thing to to see the reaction of the hitter. How he wasn't jumping out of the way. He was, he was in fact trying to create contact, and they they could call him out for that, but they didn't do it. Yeah. So Conforto's like you said, has got this big elbow pad. The the, sli- the the pitch was a slider, and it grazed the elbow pad, 
ends up in the catcher's glove right over the heart of the plate. The umpire rang him up, called, called strike three, and then all of a sudden, wait, 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 no, let's go to replay. This thing took forever. Then they come back and say Conforto is awarded first base. Ball game. Game over. Mets win three to two. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was kind of crazy, and uh, and then we saw the other one too, uh, where, where Alex Baum Baum was coming home, yep. uh, and it didn't look like he touched on play. I will say this though, on that play, you there, I didn't see an angle where it was straight above the the dish where you could tell that he didn't touch the corner of the plate. Mm-hmm. But to me, it looked like he did not touch the plate. I would have liked one more angle, but to me, it looked like he did not. Touch the plate. There's no excuse for getting these things wrong with instant replay. There's no excuse for it. Okay, and what he, uh, Steve's return, referring to is the other thing. Last night in the Phillies-Braves game, the Sunday night baseball game, is the top of the ninth inning, and the, the Phillies-Braves are tied 6-6. Sack fly, Digi Gregorius hits a sack fly. Alec Baum, uh, the third baseman for the Phillies, comes racing home, and home plate umpire Lance Barrett uh, called him safe. We go to replay another long review here. And really, Steve, clearly it shows that the runner never touched home plate, but replay yeah. upheld the safe call. Phillies win 7-6. So two, I, I, two I of these things I, back-to-back I days in and, and, and game-determining yeah. calls. I don't get it. They're trying to, if they're, if they're trying to uh, encourage people to go back into the hands of the umpires mm-hmm. because they want to take the pressure off the video. There's no pressure on the video. You just call it what it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it looked like, for sure, the, the one with Conforto, he should have been out. And maybe I didn't see the other angle, but it looked like Alec Baum was out, too. And they, and they get him wrong both times. That's, that's, why are you having video if you don't call it right? It's not that hard. And, and it's kind of weird, too, because when you think about it in baseball, home plate is the only base that isn't elevated. And his foot was up in yeah. the air, and that's one of the reasons he missed it. So he might have been safe at any other base. But, but he wasn't at home plate because it's not up there. And as far as Conforto, I think his coaches told him to lean into one, so that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kidding, right? Yeah, lean into the, that one. That's what he did. Uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, I don't understand it. I wish I had an explanation for it. But to get it wrong on video is, uh, is crazy. I don't know. I mean, baseball's changing so much, you guys. It's, I don't recognize a lot of it now. They're, they seem to have adopted the runner on second base rule in extra innings now because this just might put too much pressure on them to go out ahead and earn the guy at second base and win the game the right way. you got to go out and do the softball rule, uh, the Bobby Sox rule, and put the guy at second base. Uh, you know, they wonder why. They wonder why the, 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 you know, the attendance since 2012 has been dropping precipitously. Uh, other than 2015-16 where it was just a wash, I think there was 20,000 more people over the millions and millions uh, that come in every year uh, in 2016 compared to 15. But that's it. Every other year uh, up until last year, baseball attendance has been dropping. And I'm not even counting the COVID stuff. I'm just saying a regular season, it is dropping. And you know what I think has happened? I think that baseball is losing a lot of its base fanship. Um, when you start When you start taking away the tradition of the game and – Changing the game so radically, um, people that have been around for a long time are are just going to say, "Forget it." I'm, I mean, you know what? I don't want to watch this anymore, and they're going to go spend their money somewhere else. So, I, I think if uh, if they went back to, to the 1980 rules and just left the game alone, and you could run over a catcher, and you know, you could take the second baseman legs out and whatever, and quit whining about oh somebody might get hurt, people might watch it more. What's your old uh, term you used on the show? The wussification of America in, in Major League Baseball? I mean, it's something like that, no, right? It, 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 it's, it's called the wimpification of the American sportsman. Yeah, we see it, we see it in, in football, too. I mean, right. you can't even tackle the quarterback. They'll throw the flag on you because you, quote, landed on him. Yeah. Isn't this football? Uh, you know, you can't knock a guy out of the uh, – going down the sideline, returning a punt with your shoulder. You have to negotiate him out of bounds now because – you know, you might hurt somebody. Yeah, use the term negotiate in, in the world of sports uh, on the plane service. That's funny. And I think this is the first <laughs> time that we have ever heard the term Bobby Sox on the program before. That's great. That's it. I mean, you got to be old to know the Bobby Sox routine. That's outstanding. <laughs> hey, hey, I was watching. Well, here go, we are. Go, go, yeah, I was watching the Yankees and Rays game yesterday, and Michael Kay, and I love Michael Kay, does a great job, right? And they went mm-hmm. to extra yep. innings, and he goes, okay, here we go. It's carnival time. 
And I thought that was isn't that great? Because, because, yeah, I've known I've known Mike I've known Michael Case since the eighties. Oh yeah, good guy. And, yeah. Uh, he used to be just a writer, and then now he's uh, the broadcaster for the Yankees. Right. No, he calls it right. Michael Michael's got Michael's got it going on. He he knows uh, he knows the phrases to use, and I think it resonates with the with the fans out there. Is they they don't like this stuff. I mean, they're so concerned about the the pace of the game, and you know, well, that's because everybody wants to hit home run. They don't care if they strike out. And they're so concerned about the length of the game. If, if, if it's so concerning to you, just go do something else then. Go, go, go to a tennis match or skating is always available. You know, maybe do something like that. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll say about that is some of those men's tennis matches can take four or five hours. So, not, not, not sure <laughs> that's, that's right. Like, not sure that's the right place okay. to go there. But you got uh, me there. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, when, when you see this kind of stuff, when I think about the the runner on second and then in the extra innings, it kind of reminds me. It's like kind of baseball's version of the NHL going to the three on three overtime and then the shootout at the end. It's yeah. like, well, we don't want to play. Mm-hmm. We don't want to keep on playing and playing. So let's just find a way to end this damn thing. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, the other thing is when they have the fights, how about the fights that happen? I mean, they're, 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 they're hug bombs is what they are. They're not fights. They, nobody throws a punch in baseball. Have you ever seen a good punch being thrown? The only good punch I saw, I saw thrown was is in a fight when the Dodgers had a, had a brawl when Strawberry was on the team. And he, I saw him throw a good straight left and then, and then a tight hook underneath some guy's chin and shot his head up. That was, that was a nice punch. But you don't see very many in baseball. They just hug each other and scream and yell. What they ought to do is they said uh, the two combatants that want to go at it, they should make it, a, make it a rule that nobody else can come on the field. And just put the two guys that want to go at it in the middle, in between home plate and, and, the, and the pitcher's mound, and tell them, okay, you got 30 seconds, and that's it. 30, most fights don't even last 30 seconds. Right. So it's like 30 seconds, you guys go at it, nobody else touches it. It'd be like hockey where the referees just sit there with their arms crossed, and they watch, and when they're done, they break it up. That, that's what they should do. There'd probably be a lot less injuries if you think about it. Everybody piles on, and this guy gets spiked, this guy pulls a muscle, this guy over here. If you just have the two guys, you kind of limit it, you know? So in some of those rivalry games that you were in, you know, whether it's Dodgers, Giants, or anywhere, I mean, any of the, the bench-clearing bench brawls that were never brawls, like you said, were you one to, to run right to the action, or were you one to kind of stray away from the action? No, no, I, I wanted to get up there, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't going up there to hit anybody. I wasn't. Go, I was going to pull people off my guy, right. and I was going to make sure that I wasn't going to get sucker punched. Yeah. Now, I wasn't going to go there and sucker punch anybody else because it's fair. It's fair. But if somebody was going to sucker punch me, I was. That, that was fine. Then we'll go at it and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm not going to sucker punch, and I'm also not going to let them sucker punch my teammates. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, it's you know I don't really have a beef on anybody, but I'm just going out there now. The worst thing to do is if you don't go out there. I've seen guys before; they sit on the bench, and those guys, uh, everybody hates them the rest of the year. They they get they get cross-eyed looks in the clubhouse the rest of the year. You must go out there. Yes, you know that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Hey, going back to that Conforto thing, okay? Uh, there mm-hmm. is there was there ever a Steve Sachs moment where you know you were you you needed to get on base, dying to get on base. Did you lean into one yourself, or did you have an Academy Award performance where the ball didn't hit you and, and you ran down to first base? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, it was the opposite. I've been hit before, and I tried to fake it because I wanted to hit. Right. Uh, I, I, I would look. I mean, if you're leaning into balls and you you're doing things like that, that says one thing: you can't hit. If you're begging to get on base, you can't hit. You know, Michael Conforto can hit. That's the thing about him. I understand why he did it because the bases were loaded, and it was just at the moment where you know they could win the game if he did it. That's different. But no, I was. I didn't want to get hit by a pitch. I didn't. I, you know, that hurts. I've been hit a few times. I got hit once in the, in the tip of the elbow, on my left elbow, uh, in spring training. I, I missed a couple of games in spring training because it was really right, in the, right, on the, right on the bone at the tip of it. And then the first game back, the first time up, I got hit in the same exact place again. And I'm like, that, it doesn't feel good when you get hit. Ball coming in there, 95-plus, uh, you know, and that ball's pretty hard. So you don't want to get hit or take a chance on it. It's amazing. Like, there are some of these guys, they wear it like a badge of honor. I like, remember Ron Hunt back in the day. That guy loved getting yeah. hit. And there's a lot of guys like that as well, too. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to take Don one Baylor. for the team. Yeah, Don, Don Baylor. Baylor got hit all the time. There's another one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Crazy. And, and, but, but today they wear 14 pounds of gear. They got an elbow <laughs> guard. They got one on their knee. They got one on their foot. Shohei Otani, 
looks like an armory unit when he goes up to bat. He's got one on his hand. He's got his elbow. He's got a flap jacket. He's got one on his knee. He's got him everywhere. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he gets dressed and gets undressed every time he goes up to bat. Uh, hey, you brought him up real quick. Uh, what, are the, what do the Angels do with this guy? I mean, is he going to be this two-way guy and, and pitch on Sundays or once a week? And I mean, he hasn't looked very impressive on the mound, but he has been impressive at the dish. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I, I, if I was them, I would, I would let him go both ways because this guy, even if he becomes a comet, he's, he's like this shooting star that goes out there and, and is able to do it both ways. I say you let him do it because we haven't seen this since Babe Ruth, right? A right. guy that could really do it legitimately both ways. And this guy has got, has got it. He can throw 99 up in the zone. He's got a tremendous split finger. He really doesn't even have a, a, a pitch where he can say it's his third pitch. He's, got a, he's developing his, his curveball or his slider, but he's got, he's got the goods, man. I would let him do it as long as he can, two ways. All right, final thing here for you, Steve. Uh, Dodgers, Padres, looking like the kings of the NL West as of right now. I just want to tell you right. about, about Clayton Kershaw, though. You know, again, he had a, a horrible spring, and there was this, you know, the uh, fraction of people that thought, okay, you know, Kershaw's probably done. We know the velocity's been down over years, but he's had three pretty good starts so far, and a real good one against mm-hmm. Scherzer yesterday. What are your thoughts on Kershaw yeah. right now? Oh, oh yeah, he's you know he's still got he's still got quite a bit of life in him. He's not the same type of pitcher where he could pitch 95 up in the strike zone. He's a guy now that stays lower in the strike zone and really uses that tremendous slider that he's developed. He's been able to evolve into a guy that maximizes the, the talents that he has now, which is not a, not a tremendous fastball, good location, but a, a very good curveball still, a wicked Koufax-like curveball, and a tremendous slider that he's developed now that kind of takes the place of his, of his fastball. So he's, he's still evolving. He's still very effective last year. You look at his numbers last year, he could have been a number one on most teams last year. Um, he's still a very qualified guy, and I think he pitched better in, both, in postseason too. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Great stuff as uh, usual. I look forward to getting that, getting that picture uh, from you today. Yeah, so do that. I'll do that today. And guess what? The, <laughs> quake, right. the quake is making his way back from lunch. Wait. Oh, my no, God. No, wait. He just made a U-turn. What happened? He was on the way. Yeah. <laughs> there. Quake. There it is. Somebody whispered and said, hey, there's, there's food over here. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, be good. You can catch him on MLB Network Radio, right? Catch him uh, just about every night, right? Whenever he feels like being on, right? There it that, is. That's right. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on periodically, mostly on Fridays. Uh, I'm sorry, Tuesdays, Saturdays, and then smattering of times throughout the week. There it is. XM89 MLB Network Radio. Okay, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Take care, guys. All right. There it is. Steve Sachs. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes like his idea of having the two guys just kind of go at it for thirty seconds. Yeah. I think some guys become braver because they know that everyone's going to bench, they're going to clear, and they don't have to go. Nobody wants to be the Robin Ventura to Nolan Ryan's noogie. Yeah. <laughs> to, to what? The noogie. The noogie. Yeah. The noogie that he gave him. I think we have a little different, you know, version of noogie or a meaning of noogie than that. As Frank's rubbing his arm there. Well, no, he he did the top of his head. He had him in the headlock and he. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. That sounds like a old wrestling move. Kind of, I guess it could be. Yeah. TJ Reeves is going to join us from Tampa when we come back. Uh, Matthew Ho will join us as we talk McGregor Poyer. As well, too. Is there going to be a third fight? We'll uh, touch on that and a whole lot more. Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin on this Manic Monday. Look at that mountain.